Hey, ma'am. Hey. How's it going? Hey, it's it's been a while, huh? That was bad. Let's do it again. <laughs> hey, ma'am. Hey. It's been a while. It has. Uh, what's it been? Eight months? Almost a baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ma'am. Hey, how's it going? Not much. Fancy meeting you here. I don't know how to do this. It's like riding a bike, but sexually. Just like fucking a bike. Hey, ma'am. Hey, how you been? Uh, you know. How are you? Uh, you know. Live, laugh, scream. Living in daily hell. Yeah. Want to make a podcast? Let's do it. Into every generation, there is a chosen one. Uh, excuse me, two. One girl in all the world. Two, two girls? Who is this guy? She is... This might have been a... Big Miss Steak. Steak. S-T-A-K-E. Like what you kill a vampire with. A Buffy podcast. Hi, everybody. After a long intermission, welcome back to a brand new episode of Big Mistake. It's still a Buffy podcast after all this time. I'm Melissa. Hi, everybody. I'm Aditi. And today we are here to talk about season two, episode three of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, School Hard. Yes. Uh, Melissa, should we reveal how many times we've recorded this? Why not? <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just rip this band-aid off. <laughs> I think this is our fourth time. It is. Yes. Yes, it is. We've really been trying, you guys. I feel like I really know this episode. Mm -hmm. We recorded it a lot. We had some technical difficulties. Then I made too many references to White Boy Summer that were no longer topical or fun that had to be cut. And then just another, you know, lots of lots of little things came came up against us, much like this year. Yeah. 2021 <laughs> score one point zero points for the two of us yeah it's fine we're doing well and now now we're back very excited to go on this journey with you melissa and <laughs> the folks who stuck with us to that i say thank you and i would like to kiss all of you yeah we're vaccinated so we can do that now yeah we can just tongue all of our listeners um we can <laughs> <laughs> oof um, <laughs> <laughs> you're doing amazing, sweetie. Thank you. Some exciting news. Aditi and I saw each other in real life for the first time yes. since yes. pre-pandemic. Yeah, we got to hug and that's all we did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was really great. We had a lovely reunion that consisted of some highbrow moments like seeing art and then some lowbrow moments of seeing art like the Real Housewives. And even when we were seeing art, we were in the National Museum of Art, and we were talking shit about <laughs> Renaissance-era painters and how they how they just could not paint a baby. No, I want to make it very clear. I did take water history class in college. I was talking about the medieval babies. The medieval babies were ugly. There was one painting that had four adult faces on babies. It had wings, angels, I think. And it was truly the stuff of nightmares. Aren't they called putti? An Italian? Yeah. I mean, you're the Italian scholar. Excuse me, Italian ex-scholar. I am. I'm actually going to be in the new Mario movie. Very exciting. <laughs> 
I really hope we get to edit this episode and get it out on time because that joke will not be topical for very long. Now you understood my struggle with white boy summer. Ugh. Well, I guess let's get to the episode. Episode summary. Parents in the night. When parent-teacher night is interrupted by uninvited guests, Buffy must protect her fellow students, the principal, and her mother while keeping her secret. Meanwhile, Angel's old friends Spike and Drusilla visit Sunnydale for the night of St. Vigius, the holy night of attack. All right, Aditi, I know it's kind of late for first impressions, but can you remember... (laughs) Can you remember what you thought about this episode when you saw it for the first time almost a year ago? (laughs) I feel like a 51-year-old woman getting married and wearing white. It just feels a little... a little asinine. So, correct me if I'm wrong, Melissa, but this is a very big episode in the Buffy fandom. Am I right? I I, I think it's a big episode because this is the introduction of two big characters. Of course, the mysterious and haunting Drusilla and our bad boy with hair of gold, Spike. First impressions were that, so, you know, every person I've spoken with about Buffy always says, oh, wait till season two, wait till season two. And I've liked the first couple episodes, but I feel like this episode definitely like sets us on a really cool track yeah. with uh, a great villain, great fan tour, great backstory. So I think that it really like sets the tone. And it's also, it's a fun episode because Spike is a really fun character. Ugh, a delight. And, and I think this episode, there's so much to love about it. The production value is so much higher. They're like literally destroying the school building. You can tell there's more money in it. And in earlier episodes, there have been sort of jump scares, but they haven't really been good at having sustained tension all throughout the episode. And this one, it reminded me of like Die Hard, like they're all trapped in a building and crawling through the ceiling and fighting. And it's kind of a departure from the other episodes in that way. And I think it's a step up. And like, Since I already took notes on it three times when I was preparing for this pod, (laughs) I I just watched it without any note taking and it's just so much fun. Spike is so fun. It's really fun. It's definitely putting us on a fun track because obviously love Angel, but he is very morose and he serves a purpose. I believe that in my heart. What is that purpose? Uh, He's there to... Be emotionally immature like a teen, but as a 200 plus gentleman. Ah, checks all of the boxes. (laughs) Shall we? Is it cute? Is it cute? Let's do first impressions, and I would love to know your impressions when you were a child watching this for the first time. Okay, when I was a child, I did not know of the concept of Billy Idol, so I didn't understand... (laughs) a lot of Spike's fashion choices. Mm -hmm. I thought they were unique to him. And as a child, you know, you're willing to believe fantastical things. So I just accepted it as like a normal way that an adult man would look. And thinking back, (laughs) (laughs) if I had been introduced to him as an adult with no concept of Billy Idol, it would have been very jarring. But I was, I was into it. And I loved the accent I loved his facial structure, and I love his boots and duster combo. I feel like in the Duster Wars, Mm. Spike is clearly the victor. When we were youths, there was this guy who I went to high school with, who all through high school had the same haircut as Spike. (laughs) Like, 
it was bleached and it was gelled back in the exact same way as an homage to Spike. And it was like, after the show was off the air, he kept it alive. And I think (laughs) the impact that Spike had on real world gentlemen cannot be understated. At least that one real world gentleman. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, I mean, I get it. Spike has... Uh, he has a magnetism. I don't know if this classmate of yours had the same amount of charisma, but God bless him for trying. Yeah, he definitely didn't have the same amount of cheekbones, but I feel like that's just not a fair <laughs> standard to hold anyone to. And comparing the accent of Spike to a Texas suburb accent is not fair. It's really not fair. <laughs> And it's not even real. He's American. He does such a good job. And the actor who plays Giles was actually his accent coach. Maybe not in an official capacity, but he used to work with James Marsters on his elocution because Mm. real life Anthony Head has a more like rough accent than Giles does. Giles has kind of a more like posh sort of speaking and he used to work with Spike and be like, this is this is how you do it. And he taught him very well. He did. He did. Speaking as an American with no real knowledge of how English people are supposed to sound. Tell me about Drusilla. I love Drusilla. Ugh. <laughs> She's a very sexy baby. That's my thing, first of all. Second of all, okay, I'll let you finish. I think that Maybe coming into this as a fully developed adult, I might have different... Uh, That's generous. (laughs) Maybe coming into this as a partially developed adult, I (laughs) might have had different opinions about our horny team rocket, Spike and Drusilla. Mm. But as a kid, Mm -hmm. I found them to be just like so weird and creepy and charismatic and fun. Mm. The accent made them like sort of exotic, I guess. And and Drusilla (laughs) just said shit that was so weird. As a kid, you don't really know the difference between like profound weird and just kind of like cheesy campy weird. And so I just thought she was like cool and otherworldly. I was also like a small, weak child. And so, I mean, I was like eight years old and I wasn't like winning any bodybuilding contests. I was like four feet tall. So the idea of like someone who is tiny and not traditionally powerful or strong, who was still like intimidating to people was very cool to me. And I was really drawn to that. That is such an insightful and generous interpretation. Look, you have to be forgiving of your inner child. <laughs> My, mine's a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start with Spike. Mm-hmm. Very into Spike. I can very clearly see how the fans will at some point want Buffy and Spike to at least have some sort of engagement. I think he is presented as so overtly the villain that it's a little bit of a stretch as of now to see them have any sort of like romantic entanglement but you see that there's like they're both very like equals because of how he engages with her and how he also uses like trickery like she's used and so I think that it's very clear that he is like more fun and more chaotic and that's a fun character to have so I I'm I'm into it he's also you know he's pretty foxy so I I like I'm into this Mm -hmm. Drusilla Mm -hmm. I don't care for Drusilla I don't I don't really get it I think it's weird and not in a like 
I don't I don't want to like shame her weirdness or their weird love. God <laughs> bless their weird love. I just think it's I it's not for me and I think it's a little much. I think the doll thing is weird and I think her weird clothes. I just as you can tell, she's just not for me. Yeah. And I think that's fine. But I do think that their weird love works for them. Oh, absolutely. Buffy and Angel's relationship has been fraught and, like, exhausting. Spike just shows up and is totally supportive and would totally make out with her in front of a child. That's real love. That's the kind of boyfriend (laughs) that we all need. Oh my god, my little little boy manager, Mr. Manager. Yeah, Mr. Manager, did you miss him? <laughs> well, I mean, the company has now become insolvent, so they need Mr. Manager <laughs> on board so they can have someone to blame, the investors. Fun trivia fact about Mr. Manager, your, your little man, Colin. <laughs> Between season one and season two, he had the worst thing a young vampire could possibly have, which is a growth spurt. So his look of eternal youth was ruined. (laughs) That's why they had to kill him. Wow. Yep. Damn. Puberty, she comes for us all. (laughs) That relentless bitch. I'm very, I'm very excited to talk about this app, mostly because I've memorized it, but also because it's fun. (laughs) We do have fun. (laughs) Okay, so I guess Spike, cute, absolutely. Unequivocally. Unequivocally cute. Oh, yes. And Drusilla... I'm going to say cute. I'm going to say pass. Hmm. My apologies to the Drusilla heads out there. Maybe she'll grow on me. She just has like a very like Tim Burton, like Dresden doll, like hot topic adjacent vibe. This is so true. And this is so hurtful to me as someone who (laughs) loves Tim Burton and the Dresden dolls. Stay through the heart. devastating not all of us can be really into rilo kylie and eugene b debs in high school (laughs) eugene b debs (laughs) that's so cute (laughs) i i want you to have i you know i want you to have all the things you want in life which include your love for tim burton and a coin operated boy you know what let's get out of this not doing me any favors i feel like the pod is just catharsis for your teenage dreams your childhood and teenage dreams and it's just me being a full-grown adult saying ew look i've pent this up for eight long months (laughs) all right feels good feels good to unburden should we slay or nay slay or nay slay or nay All right, what did you think of Buffy's outfits this episode? She wore a lot of cool colors, which I like to see her in. Some duds, some hits, and I'm very excited to hear your take on the final outfit of the episode. The one with the purple and lime green and her terrible voluminous hair? You mean the one with the skort? I see. We're focusing on opposite opposite parts of the outfit. (laughs) I love the skort. I will fully get into tennis to wear a skort. See, I started at the top of the head and started moving down and I had had all I could take before I got to the skort. The skort really got me because I think it was form and function. I mean, it did have a weird embroidered flower right in the middle. Like, I I appreciate the functional part of it because, like, you can't be wearing a 100% skirt if you're going to be 
dropping from the roof and doing high roundhouse kicks and all of that rickety rackety. So I, I appreciate that. But whew, I yeah, Cordelia was right to just eviscerate her at parent teacher night because our girl did not look well. I would say outfits, honestly, not as bad as the hyena app, which were just atrocious, <laughs> but I think probably on the lower end of the ep- of the episode so far. What do you think? I did really like her painting outfit where she had the baggy overalls mm-hmm. and her hair was up with mm-hmm. a paintbrush. I thought that was cute. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting that she had some red paint on her face in the same place as Drusilla had scratched Spike's face earlier in the episode. So they had like matching red. Symbolism. I'm not exactly sure what that's supposed to mean. Maybe that they were both marked by death. Who's to say? I really liked her in the halter top that she wears to the bronze, the like lavender one. Yeah. She looks really good in it. Yeah, I liked that one a lot too. As far as Willow goes, I actually really, really loved her ringer tee with the black sleeves. And Me too! These, were they like, what was in the middle? Were they like Loteria cards? Oh, I need to do a zoom and enhance. I tried to zoom and enhance, but it it was too much for me. I couldn't enhance enough. <laughs> in this society ruled by zooms. Oh. I swear to God, I will never zoom again. I will only enhance from <laughs> afar. <laughs> I liked what she was wearing, though. Yeah. Honestly, I could see a cool zoomer wearing that outfit now. Overalls are back. Yeah. We've recently discovered swoveralls, which are sweatsuit overalls, which are a real thing. My God. My God. Can we can we talk about the baddest bitch of the episode? Sheila. Ah, oh, Sheila, my queen. <laughs> if Sheila were real, she would have many cries for help and we should have gotten her the assistance she needed. But on the show, a delight. Sheila doesn't need any help. Sheila is killing it. Let her spend all day getting drunk under the sun where God can see her at a bar that gets raided called the fish tank. (laughs) The episode where she is wearing the sleepless black midriff showing top with the flannel around her waist, I was like, I would... I would have died to wear that then and now. Honestly, the first two outfits she was wearing, I loved them. She has like a plain skirt and like a patterned mini skirt. And I would love mm-hmm. to wear something like that. You know, I am a sucker for a pattern on the bottom half. She makes no bad decisions. I love Sheila. Full name, Sheila Martini, because of course it is. Oh, she is the baddest bitch. I love her. Can I tell you some mm-hmm. facts about young Sheila Martini. Please. She was played by an actress named Alexandra Jones, but Mm -hmm. since we're a casual pod, we'll just call her Alex Jones for short. (laughs) No relation. No relation. We're big fans of Alex Jones here on the pod, known for being Sheila Martini and being on one episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch which I assume she also killed. And then she was like, enough, I'm going out on top. I'm retiring from acting. And she became an amazing and successful producer. And she produced The Witch featuring Black Philip, the goat. Oh! She is living deliciously right now. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Sheila is the baddest bitch. And she produced a movie called Holy Hell, 
It's about a cult called the Buddha Field, which was active in Austin, Texas, I guess like 15, 20 years ago. And there's like all this crazy footage of them at Barton Springs and like all these Austin places. It was very, very cool. Shout out to Alex Jones. We love you. Honestly, Alex Jones, we salute an American hero. We are true Alex Jones heads. We're, we're Jones in <laughs> for Alex Jones. She's the only chemtrails in my eyes. USA. USA. <laughs> what a treat. What a treat. Okay. You know what? I think if Cordelia made different choices, she could also be a Sheila. You know, I was actually thinking that on the spectrum of bad bitchery, we do have both ladies, but they're different types of badness. Mm -hmm. I do. I feel like Cordelia works within the system to be a bad bitch, whereas Sheila is let's light up a cop car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Can we talk about Xander, your mander? Yes, Xander, my mander. How embarrassing for me. I will have to say, Melissa, this episode, it's Xander Armander. <gasps> Go on. I thought he looked good. I thought he, I thought he was looking good. Was it the Hawaiian shirt that did it for you? <sighs> I mean, let's not delve too deep into that. <laughs> yes, it definitely was a great Hawaiian shirt. Uh, I think it's the lack of extreme overt desperation, and that's more guided into self-deprecation and general witticisms that I recognize, like game recognizes game. I thought, uh, I don't know what he's doing this season, but I like it. Yeah, season two is where Xander really starts to shine because he starts having interests other than dating Buffy and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. And I think like, particularly in this episode, he is physically very funny. Like when he clutches his messenger bag, after being berated by Buffy and Willow, it was very funny to me. And also when he mm-hmm. scared himself by finding tampons in Buffy's bag, he has great comedic timing. Yeah, good physical humor. But can we talk about what happened to Miss Calendar? Uh, she joined a monastery and she has to wear brown robes all the time now. <laughs> she started dating Giles, which apparently sucks the lifeblood out of you. I guess. I mean, oh. Speaking of dating Giles, let's let's take a quick detour here. I was recently on another podcast called Animorphing Time. Yes, yes, everyone. Our dear Melissa was on another pod and we're very proud and excited and we should listen to that pod. Very proud, like peacocks. Well, thank you. That's that's not what I was going for. It has a purpose, I, was, I'm I promise. Very proud. No, I think we should hype Melissa up. She was on another pod, which is very brave because doing anything outside of our comfort zones right now is hard. Thank you. Anyway, the hosts were an absolute (laughs) delight and one of them sent over a series of commercials, which I had never seen, featuring our boy Rupert Giles trying to sell some coffee. And they're the most sexually charged coffee commercials I have ever (laughs) seen. And I would like for Aditi to watch them right now and we can hear her reactions. Okay, I'm clicking. I'm clicking. I'm zooming. I'm enhancing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh my god, this is two minutes. You don't have to watch the full two minutes. Oh my. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wait, what? There's like a story? Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. This is so lewd. Like, they straight up have a relationship around coffee. This was made in Seattle. <gasps> what? 
There's another man? <laughs> this is like the trapped in the closet of coffee commercials. Oh, yes, they finally kissed. Listeners, we will post this link on our Twitter. Many, many thanks to Tyler of Animorphing Time for showing this to us. Wait, 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 wait. Is she having an affair? <gasps> wait, he has a wife? <gasps> He tried to use subterfuge. <gasps> wow, honestly, that was like a Harlequin romance novel. Okay, so remember back in the day, you were like, "Does anyone find Giles attractive?" Mm-hmm. Would you Would you like to answer your own question now? Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! Wow. So the commercial. I hope that folks go down this journey with us, but um. It honestly tells an amazing story, comparable to many CW shows. The yearning, the twisting, the turning, the coffee. Mm -hmm. My God. (laughs) And on today, International Coffee Day. (laughs) Right in front of my coffee? (laughs) Wow. He should have said the amazing line, coffee, tea, or me. Mm. Mm. I should have read this commercial. (laughs) Please watch it, because I I had no idea that these things could happen with our pal Giles, because he's played very fussily, I suppose. Yeah. And in this one, he has charisma. Yeah. The, I, I don't know how he can just turn it off and on like that. It's like he's an entirely different person. I think it's the coffee. I think it's the coffee. Should we get that coffee? Yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, We would be unstoppable. Yeah, let's get some of this fuck roast coffee. (laughs) It's got notes and undertones of fucking. (laughs) Anyway, this is not the Giles that Miss Calendar is dating, clearly. I think that unlike the coffee, dating Giles is not an enervating experience. No, no, no. Commercial Giles is is fuck coffee and library giles is when you accidentally mix up dayquil and nyquil but you still have to go to work <laughs> i do admire that um they keep miss calendar's commitment to just like bonkers cursed accessories because when she's in mm-hmm. her franciscan monk's robe she uh she does have like a weird amulet that i assume from the vibes is cursed and I love that for her. Also, another cursed object are the bangs on her forehead. Those are her trauma bangs, remember? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shouldn't make fun. Speaking of hair, the only thing I have about your boy Angel is Angel's hair is looking very <laughs> Polly D these days. <laughs> you think that would endear him to you, and yet. And yet. And yet. <laughs> Honestly, I think that his hair could withstand a nuclear fallout. Angels or Polly's? Polly. Oh, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes when I feel sad, I rewatch the first episode of Jersey Shore, really just laying it all out there this episode. And um, (laughs) the amount of hair gel he packs with him to go to the shore house, like, (laughs) it's incredible. Do you think this podcast is our trauma banks? Yes. Yes, I do. That's sweet. (laughs) 
band candy. There was a band at the bronze this episode, and it's a very special band because the lead singer did a post on Reddit that I found. So he can give a an actual inside take on what it was like to be a band at the bronze. The band is called Nickel. The song that they were playing is called Stupid Thing. And the lead singer who posted on Reddit is named Thomas McDermott. And he says... At the time we did Buffy, I kind of thought our appearance on the show might launch us not into megastardom, but something higher up than we were. Our bass player went on to a more successful band, and I kept writing and performing for a few years after that. Then I got married, had kids, and that's that. So it is just like we said, it was local bands trying to trying to get their moment in the sun. Yeah, it's very sweet. They were a very sweet band, and I think that they facilitated like like initially like sweet moment with the Scooby gang. And then, you know, a period of high intense exposition. Mm-hmm. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey comrade, down bad? Well, you can't be sad when you're in a CAD. Visit Brad and Chad, the Rad CAD lads. Brad and Chad are mad for CADs. They're not a fad. They're fast like Olympiads. Outrun a big bad in your big bad CAD. Get your rad CAD clad in leather seats with fresh brake pads and gad about like a nomad. Drive all the way to Baghdad, egad. You'll be more than a tad glad when you think about the times you'll have in your big bad rad CAD just buy a fucking CAD. Seriously, buy a CAD from Brad and Chad the Rad CAD lads because Sheila is getting increasingly horny with nowhere to go and I don't want to be here when this comes to a head. So our episode begins in the office of your nemesis, Principal Snyder. Okay, I will say this. I've had I've had eight months to process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had eight months to grow out my trauma bangs. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he's very funny now. Like, I totally get it. Before I was like, sir, this is a Wendy's. And now I'm like, sir, do your thing. I am so glad we're on the same page now. He's perfect. No notes. He's just like, because I think at first, you're, I think when I was watching it, I was still using my adult brain and I was like, this adult is terrorizing children. He is a bully and a menace. And now I'm like, he is like a menace, but more like a Dennis the menace. <laughs> is he qualified for his job? No. Is he qualified no. to be on TV? Yes. 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 I'm so glad that you've come around. There is a character later on in the show where I... I have a response very similar to your initial Snyder response, and it has been decades since I first met her, and I still, (laughs) my trauma bangs have not grown out. (laughs) They are as short and prominent as ever. My trauma bangs with Snyder are now a healthy curtain bangs. Ah, beautiful. Flattering. Yes. Yeah, so we start off with Snyder being mean to our favorite girls in the world. Really, like, the two most badass, capable women in Sunnydale, besides Cordelia. And his plan is the dumbest thing I have ever fucking heard in my life. (laughs) Keeping in line with school administration. He takes the two lowest performing students... And says, I'm going to put you in charge of an event that will reflect on me. 
<laughs> because I trust you two to pull it off. Excellent principling. Do you think he trusts him or do you think he's like, if I inspire enough fear, I can do this? I think he's looking to get them kicked out of school because he expects them to fail. But I don't understand why he would give them a task that reflects so much on him, like parent-teacher night. Like, why doesn't he tell them to, like, clean the locker rooms and if they don't do it well, they'll get expelled? I feel like that would make much more sense. Yeah, yeah. Here we are. We find ourselves in Principal Snyder's office being tasked with an impossible task. We learn that Sheila has stabbed her teacher with pruning shears. <laughs> Love her. Uh, <laughs> what can't she do? What can't she do? Girl boss. So Shiro Sheila is in the office with Buffy. And then immediately after we have the scene with the Scooby gang and Buffy's like, you know, it's just hard having it all. And she's lamenting the fact that she has to do all this stuff, which I get. She really could pull it off if it weren't for those pesky vampires. Cue one of the greatest entrances of the show to date. Yeah. Riding in on a guitar riff and beat up old car driving straight through the welcome to Sunnydale sign is our boy Spike breaking all the rules, public property, mm -hmm. destruction, speeding, probably being reckless <laughs> in public, smoking, <laughs> other things as well. Very rebellious. He probably loves to loiter as well. Ugh. He probably, like, leans in an alley and combs his hair. <laughs> you know what? He probably doesn't. I don't think that hair moves. <laughs> it does look gelled within an inch of its life. Yeah. I do wonder how he smokes because it's established earlier that vampires have no breath. And that's how Angel survived the gas in the mm. Marcy episode. But I'll allow it because... I do think sm Spike should be smoking. Yeah. We'll live in a sightless magical world if we have to parse through all that. Yeah. Agreed. We meet our boy Spike. We meet our boy Spike. He goes to uh, your Mr. Manager's little incubator <laughs> where someone is given a pitch and he just disrupts the fuck out of it. He is, he's innovating. He's ideating. He's obviously disrupting. And he's just paradigm shifting. Ugh. <laughs> Didn't that sound almost authentic? Ugh, I forgot that we did this <laughs> joke and like, <laughs> like saying these words makes me feel unclean. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to meet little, little Jack Dorsey. Mm. <laughs> well, little Tim Apple. <laughs> yeah, so Spike goes to meet little, little uh, Tim Apple. It's like, look, there's a new sheriff in town. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Indeed. Pew. <laughs> so Spike comes in, sasses everybody. He does his whole monologue. He establishes that he's very charismatic, very British, very bad. Mm -hmm. Then Drew comes in and they switch seamlessly back and forth between like weirdly seducing each other and then looking directly at the child which I found to be odd. <laughs> yeah. It had a very, like, nature documentary element to it. <laughs> Go on. I feel like nature documentaries really get to the heart of existence because there's copulation and there's death. 
Oh, I like that. That's very hardcore. Thank you. I am. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even get it out. (laughs) So Spike and Drusilla move into the incubator in exchange for a promise to kill that pesky slayer. So we go to that pesky slayer. She's wearing adorable pajamas and she's being guilted by sweet, lovely Joyce. That scene was a stake through my heart. Yeah. It's hard when your parents say they're disappointed in you. It's hard because Joyce is expecting her to fail. Yeah. But thankfully, we don't have to linger on that for very long because <laughs> because we go to Sunnydale High where Buffy is preparing for parent-teacher night with Willow and Xander. Mm-hmm. And Willow gives us such an excellent an excellent background on what Sheila does during the day. <laughs> Will- Willow was extremely funny in this episode. Like, when she was like, I stood watch for her while she smoked, it was so funny. Also, like, her choking on the lemonade that didn't have any sugar in it and then offering it to Cordelia, <laughs> loved it. That was good. That was good. That- no, she is definitely coming into her own. And I liked that olive green thing she was wearing. I did like the dress. I felt that the plaid tights kind of took away from the overall look. But that's hey, our girl. An interesting deviation of your own desires to wear patterned bottoms. I know. Eight months can really change a person. This is called <laughs> growth. Yeah. So we have that amazing scene and then Giles and Miss Callender walk in where she is wearing 50 shades of beige and are concerned. She's gone from cool librarian to just librarian. <laughs> It'll never happen to you. <laughs> Thank you. I guess this scene is to show that Jenny and Giles have some kind of like back and forth and that their relationship is growing stronger, but I feel like there are better ways to do that, maybe. This arguing, it seemed more like professional in nature than will they, won't they banter. Yeah, than interpersonal. Yeah. So after that scene, we have the great scene at the bronze yes where spike uses trickery to lure her outside it's very funny they're trying to study i don't understand this like room of requirement energy that the bronze has you go there to study you go there to dance you go there to fight like really just whatever you need it to be um but i do think it's very cute that the gang was together trying to study but then they dance and it's very wholesome unlike the other dancing that was very stressful a far cry from that twerk heard around the world (laughs) uh yes nobody wanted a band candy twerkulator then yes we see that spike has entered the chat and he's got a legion of his co-workers with him from the incubator (laughs) I hate it. Yes, the tech bros. (laughs) Yeah, he's got an army of tech bros. They all uh, wheeled up there on their bird scooters, and they're ready to fight. (laughs) Gentlemen, fleece is off. (laughs) So they lure her outside, which, like, is a brilliant trick, and I I I don't know why no vampires have used it before. He's smart. This is the first interaction with Buffy and Spike, and... You know it's a special thing because Buffy is a non-traditional slayer and Spike is a non-traditional vampire. 
as compared to the master, who, much like our queen, entertainment lawyer Phaedra Parks, all about the spectacle (laughs) and the pageantry. Uh, Do you think she's watched Buffy? Entertainment lawyer Phaedra Parks? Yes. Uh, Of course. (laughs) What do you think entertainment lawyer Phaedra Parks is doing right now? Uh, Probably trying to commit some low-level scams. Ugh, love her. (laughs) Yeah, so we have that amazing fight scene, and so it's their first interaction, and then we have Sheila, the coolest girl in the world, walking with her entourage. And it's just two dudes who told her that they have a Cadillac, and she's like, ready to go to town with both of them, I assume? (laughs) Did I misread this? Or maybe she was going to steal the Cadillac. Oh, see, I like that. Yeah. I I mean, like, also... No judgment if that's what she wants to do. It's not something I would have been ready for at 16, but, like, she seems more than capable of handling herself. She seems pretty advanced. Yeah. She has cad madness, and she's ready to bone down. So, like, go with God, Sheila. Do what you gotta do. Go go with God. Wear a female condom. Steal the cad. Steal, Steal the cad after you're done, babe. But yeah, so so we see her, and then turns out that she is captured. Well, <laughs> this was very funny to me. She is walking with these with with her two uh, gentlemen nighttime guests. Her two cads. Her her two cad dads, and she's <laughs> <laughs> she's walking. She's walking. One of them disappears, and she's confused, but she's still horny. And then she's walking. <laughs> The other one disappears, more confused, a little scared, still horny. Mm -hmm. A new dude shows up, Mm -hmm. you'll do. That's it. (laughs) In another world, she would have been um, the subject of a very judgmental Lifetime original movie. (laughs) An episode of of La Verde. Of what? The the Virgin of Guadalupe show where they place a single (laughs) rose. Oh, man. Okay, so for for listeners who aren't familiar with exemplary Mexican television programming, La Virgen de Guadalupe is a show that is like a morality play. (laughs) It's Catholic morality, so do with that what you will. And uh, there's a story. Obviously, someone is behaving uncatholically. There's a wide variation in what behaving uncatholically could mean, I just want to say. It could mean anything from like premarital sex to like listening to green day too much (laughs) yes to being too emo uh Mm -hmm. and then the show takes a turn for harmonious resolution when there is a gust of wind and a white rose placed somewhere within the scene it is an incredible show i highly recommend you watch there's a white rose and then a heavenly breeze blows through and you can tell because the hair of the sinner wafts beautifully around their face and that is the spirit of the virgin teaching them catholic behavior don't listen to green day don't listen to green day respect your elders Mm -hmm. keep it in your pants Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a wonderful show anyway i forgot what we were talking about we were talking Uh, we were talking about how Sheila would have been either a Lifetime original movie or or a storyline on uh, La Virgen de Guadalupe. I would watch either or both. Anything with Sheila in mm-hmm. it. 
I'm a fan. We just love the baddies because let's be honest, we would have been extremely scared of Sheila if we were actual teens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I would have been terrified of her. I would have been scared of her, scared of Cordelia mm-hmm. for different reasons, but there would have been fear. Yeah. So we have that scene with our girl Sheila and then we cut to the library where the Scooby gang and the adults are trying to parse together what's going on. We're in the library, we're figuring it out, and then a tall, dark, and handsome undead man looms in the doorway mm-hmm. and says, mm-hmm. everything is terrible, I know exactly who this man is, and all I will say is that he'll kill you. Goodbye. <laughs> Exit Angel. He loosened... He loosened the pickle jar of the conundrum, and then they got there. Ugh! (laughs) This is terrible writing to me. It bothers me so much. (laughs) I respect that they have relationship issues, Buffy and Angel, but they take this moment to discuss those issues in front of the entire peer group and their father figure. It's so embarrassing. So embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. It's something that Sheila would never do. No, Sheila wouldn't talk. Sheila would just stab. (laughs) And I respect that. Get me my pruning shears. We're done here. (laughs) I'm pruning you away from me. Fetch the pruning shears. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so they have that weird juvenile moment, whatever. And then we discover that the uh, St. Vigius knight is approaching. Yeah, they're never, I I don't fully understand what St. Vigius even is, even after watching this episode four times. (laughs) Uh, It's just a night when vampires are supposed to be extra bad, I guess. Yeah. It's the night before the IPO. Yeah, it's it's unimportant, whatever it is, because they don't even wait for St. Vigius. Clearly it's not that. I mean, they really hype it up for nothing. Gotta say. I I think that the writers could not commit to two big plots, so they were like, just stick to Spike. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And so we thankfully scrap St. Vigis, leave it on the chopping block. We just combine everything into parent-teacher night. Mm -hmm. A grievous error on my part is to not mention how great Cordelia looks during Slayer Nay. She looks great. I like how her bangs look. Clearly has not experienced trauma. They look very healthy. Yeah, Cordelia does look exceptionally good this episode. Her dress is so pretty. And and this is also cool because this is the first time Cordelia is helping with a problem that doesn't directly involve her. And so yeah. it's her first time to really be part of the Scoobies because she wants to be, not because she's dragged into it by an invisible girl or like a Frankenstein. So Mm -hmm. good for Mm -hmm. her. I think she's showing growth. Yeah. So we're at, we're at here teacher night. We have the goof with the lemonade. We have Joyce come in. Cordelia is very taken by her skin. The obsession with skincare feels very of the times now than the nineties. Cause I do think like skincare is like having its, has been having its moment for the past, like seven ten years but that's fun mm-hmm. she's always been a trendsetter so we have that and th- and then we get to the drama the drama spike we learn is william the bloody but he is called spike because he likes to torture his victims with railroad spikes this is a callback to the witch where willow compares xander to an old pen and Xander says, okay, you don't have to drive it through my head like a railroad spike. Ooh, that's good. 
And also, there was a good callback at the beginning of the, well, middle part of the episode when Giles is like, oh, he must be younger than Angel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We soon find out why. Because Angel is his daddy. So edible. So edible. So Spike is William the Bloody. He likes to torture people with railroad spikes. He has fought two slayers in the last century and killed them both. And now he is at parent-teacher night. Drama. Drama. Can we talk a little bit about how the gang splits up? Because I think that there's a lot of good storytelling and comedy in the way that it's paired up. Yes, I love how the gang is split up this episode. Who is your favorite pairing? Oh, God. I mean, I just think Cordelia is so funny. And I just feel like Willow's really coming into her own. And so I loved that. And it was also, like, used well to kind of lighten up the mood towards the end. Obviously, Xander and Angel, my husbands, (laughs) paired up. (laughs) Wow. Get me a cup of fuck coffee. (laughs) Giles, get on it. Joyce and Snyder was like so weird, but it, it had to happen for the awesome scene at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? I gotta agree with you. Uh, Willow and Cordelia is my favorite. I think they both mm-hmm. had a a brilliant chance to shine because Willow got to brain someone with a bust. Loved that. Cordelia praying. Classic. I just really love the bit so of, of someone being annoyed by someone else's prayers. I think it is always, <laughs> always a solid joke. I, I thought it was really, really nice to see our ensemble cast really shine in new situations. I think that part was mm-hmm. great and a ton of fun. We get to see Spike really in his element. First of all, he loves to make a disruptive entrance. He and the boys just like smashed through a glass wall and landed in a tableau. He's like a British Jack Ma. Who is that? Yeah, he's like a very prominent uh, Chinese billionaire. He owns Alibaba. He's also been missing. (gasps) And people speculate that he's been silenced by the Chinese government. For what? Dissidents. Criticism. Interesting, interesting. Does he often burst through glass windows in tableaus? He he performed performed Michael Jackson's thriller at their company meeting. It's a power move. (laughs) It is. So yeah, Spike comes in like a wrecking ball. He does. That was good. That really tickles me. (laughs) It pleases me. Yeah, and you can tell he's, he's good at what he does, you know? It's like, you know... When you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. That's what I have been told. We should all be so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know when that happens to you. Yeah, I'll be dead. Or undead, like Spike. <laughs> so we have a survival situation. Everybody immediately defers to Buffy, including the principal, who hates her. Mm-hmm. He has the most administrator response to this ever and jumps straight to mm-hmm. its gang activity and its PCP, which I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving to one of our lovely new pairings, Xander escapes, he runs to get Angel, brings Angel back, Angel starts doing an evil person act. Did you fall for this? Mm-hmm. You did? <laughs> I loved it. You know what? I did too. Honestly, Angel has never been more alive than when he's evil Angel. Why do the good girls always want the bad boys? He went from sad to bad. Yeah, especially because, like, you can't compete if you're pitted against Spike. Like, you gotta have some more flavor. And 
when they were standing there, like duster to duster, <laughs> dust to dust. <laughs> I just okay. I have to know whose duster do you think is better? You know, it's like, but I can't say that because I got stand by my man. Okay, currently my man, but I reserve the right to change my mandom. I'm about to change my man next episode. It's a big one for me. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Teaser. Teaser. <laughs> next episode is going to be very emotional for me because... <laughs> Are you going to bear more of your soul? Yes, it's going to be very embarrassing and you're going to drag me. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> so stay tuned. Missed this. <laughs> okay. So we're there. Evil Angel is evil. He is alive. He is having fun with it. He's really letting himself mm-hmm. live. He's got some <laughs> joie de vivre for the first time in two seasons. And it's all a lie. <laughs> Devastating. <laughs> were you scared for Xander? I was. I was scared for my Mander. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he died, it would have been a worthy sacrifice. But So... Spike quickly determines that Angel is lying, and he's very disappointed because he reveals that Angel is his daddy. Cat's in the cradle. So edible. (laughs) There's punching, there's fighting, there's running. Our girl Sheila comes back. Just the roller coaster of emotions. We, We pour one out for a true legend. Now her watch is ended, but she served. God, did she serve. She was about to serve two dudes in one cad. <laughs> Damn. I'm really coming off as very puritanical in this episode. I don't think it's puritanical to be a little dismayed about a 16-year-old wanting to have an Eiffel Tower in a Cadillac. <laughs> a 16-year-old who's drunk literally all the time. Yeah. She didn't have her pruning shears. What if something went wrong? Oh, Sheila. I just, I understand why they had to sacrifice her because she was just too powerful. Like, imagine a Spike and Sheila duo. Just fucking all over the town. Fucking, fighting, pruning, (laughs) catting, catting, drinking coffee, grinding fuck beans (laughs) for a fuck mug of fuck bean juice. How else did they get the energy? (laughs) Exactly. And so as as we go on, Buffy is picking off vampires one by one. It all comes down to a Spike and Buffy head-to-head banter off. They fight. It looks like Spike is going to have the upper hand. And then, and then, Aditi, what were your thoughts when our sweet mom Joyce brains Spike in his exquisitely gelled hair with the blunt side of an axe? First of all, I love moms. Second of all, I have a special place in my heart for white moms. I just, I just love a white mom. Tell me more. I, look, my mother is a delight. She is my inspiration. She is the funniest person. I adore her. But I did not grow up in a household with two fridges. White suburban moms have a fridge for the sodas. White suburban moms have... Costco memberships to buy exorbitant amounts of things. Like sodas, necessitating a second fridge. (laughs) Exactly. White suburban moms have so many 
granola bar options. There's just, I think what I'm getting at is there are elements of capitalism that I enjoy, like the excess, which is manifested through white suburban moms. Interesting. What what do you think Joyce's snack situation would be? Uh, I feel like she probably has pseudo healthy foods, like some poppable chips. Mm. I feel like she's probably healthy. I feel like she probably has some of those snacks that come in like 100 calorie packs. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. The the disordered eating sampler platter. Yeah. I always ate those in uh, pairs or trios at least. <laughs> I love that. That's a delightful fact about you. <laughs> so when she brands Spike, were you like, man, like, I wonder what options she has for me in her purse right now? Yeah. You think there's a Fig Newton in there? Uh, she definitely has some snacks in the purse. Definitely has some crisp dollar bills to get a soda from the vending machine. Oh, yeah. Joyce has her not my daughter, you bitch moment. And then we have our denouement. We learn, twist, that Principal Snyder knows about the vampires. I loved that twist. I loved the commentary on corruption within institutions. (laughs) So, like, I, I remember vividly seeing this episode because at the time I was a child in school. And so Principal Snyder loomed large as like an evil presence in my home and I remember being floored at this reveal did it have any sort of like meaning for you when you saw it I feel like the uh school administration that I experienced in high school were just low level villains Mm -hmm. (laughs) but weren't smart enough to be big boss villains so it, it it rang true but the level of efficiency that Snyder presented to be in cahoots was something that the administration that I went to high school with could not possess. Love that for our public schools. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what is important? What's important is that every girl's uh, skirt was below her index finger. Excuse me, middle finger. Thank God. (laughs) I mean, Sheila's skirts were very short. And look where she ended up. In a cad cautionary tale for us all. I'm like taking notes. I want to do whatever Sheila's doing. Do you think if I hemmed my skirts above middle finger length, I could also meet a nice cat in a cad? Maybe you could get yourself a cad lad. <laughs> Is that why I've never had anyone offer to Eiffel Tower me in a Cadillac? <laughs> Look, I know you thought this is a very conservative take, but actually, if (laughs) if the Eiffel Towering is meant for (laughs) procreation, you're right, it is conservative. What is the point, I ask you? (laughs) I just don't see the appeal. (laughs) Very good for you, not for me. (laughs) Shall we rate it? Well, real fast, there's a couple of things I want to touch on. I wrote down Joyce's speech at the end because Mm -hmm. I thought that was very emotional and very affirming for people to hear. Joyce says to Buffy after Buffy saves the day, I have a daughter who can take care of herself, who's brave and resourceful and thinks of others in a crisis. No matter who you hang out with or what dumb teenage stuff you think you need to do, I'm going to sleep better knowing all that. Stop! That's you know what? That is a healing stake through my heart. That's very sweet. I love Joyce. And then 
we we go to the incubator. Colin is dusted. He sees the light of day. And instead of choosing to just enjoy a Bev like Sheila would, he combusts. And, <laughs> and Spike announces, from now on, we're going to have a little less ritual and a little more fun around here. And I feel like that really sets the tone for the rest of the season. I'm excited. Now a moment for our fallen heroes, Colin, Sheila, Jenny Calendar, Sense of Style. <laughs> End of list. End of list. Shall we rate? Yes. What did you think? Oh, obviously high stakes. High. High, high. high stakes. Yes. Mwah. Beautiful, beautiful yes. episode. Five stars. I am excited that we're really hitting golden Buffy. So the way I think of the show is there's the first three seasons are very teen drama centric. And I enjoy mm -hmm. that a lot. The fourth season is sort of a weird growing pains season, which is odd and kind of uneven, mm -hmm. but it has some of the best episodes of the entire show. I love season four. It just doesn't really know mm -hmm. what it is sometimes. Mm -hmm. Then seasons five through seven are we grew up and everything is hard. <laughs> and I really love that era of the show too, but it's very different from this beginning area, which is like campy and angsty and fun. And so we're reaching peak mm -hmm. camp angst fun Buffy, which I'm really excited about. Thanks for setting that up. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very excited and for those who are still listening, really want to thank you. It's very exciting to do a project like this, obviously with my pal, but also because of sweet, sweet listeners like yourselves. Yeah, it's been really, really meaningful how many people reached out and asked and like checked in on us. It was really kind of you guys. We're just happy to be here, and thank you so much. Everyone's getting a cad. Yeah, slide into our DMs if you want to be any of the two-plus lucky gentlemen to enter our cads later. <laughs> two-plus people, really. It's 2021. Yeah, two-plus anyone. <laughs> All right, I'm going back to my convent. Farewell. <laughs> Grow out your bangs. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another fantastic episode of Big Mistake. Be sure to check out our socials at Big Mistake Pod on Twitter and Instagram to see all of the outfits discussed in each episode's Slayer name. If you have any messages for us, or if the apocalypse comes, beep us via social media or by email at bigmistake at gmail.com. That's B-I-G-M-I-S-S-S-T-A-K-E. Review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to absolutely make our day. Catch you at the bronze.